Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We are Cavan Podcast. Because Cavan is not just a place, it's a people. and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast brought to you by We Are Cabin. On today's show, we're going to be looking ahead to the resumption of the LGFA, the Ladies Football League at inter-county senior level. Um, we catch up with Aideen Coyle and we also look at the situation going on in the Camogie world. We'll hear from Cavan County Board Secretary Liam McCabe and Martin Cahill after a really successful um, fundraiser that saw uh, Brady's Arva Volkswagen Golf raffled off. But um, as always, I'm joined by Paul Fitzpatrick, the sports editor of the Anglo Celt. But Paul, before we come to you, we might hear from the PRO of the LGFA and Cavan, Aiden Coyle. So, folks, it's time to switch our attention to all things ladies. And I'm delighted to be joined by the PRO of the LGFA in Cavan here, Aiden Coyle, back for another year at the, at the helm as PRO after. A super year in fairness over the last couple of years before you eighteen, but um things are starting to get back into normal. The girls are are back training, uh, new manager Jerry Moan in, in place. How are things going for the girls? Have you heard? Yeah, um I think preparations are going very well under Jerry Moan and Barry Grimes and the back and the background team there. I think the there's great numbers out training. There's a panel of 44 at present with 18 clubs in the county represented. So um, I think there's a great intensity at training. Girls are loving, loving just being back. I suppose lockdown gives that to you. The girls are mad to get back and to play again. And there's serious competition for places. So I've, I've heard very positive reports from the panel. Yeah, very good. Uh, give the listeners then a, a, a few dates to start marking in the calendar. They've got three league games to go through. Yeah, so three league games, they've been placed in group Division 2, Group B. Um, the 23rd of May is the opening game away to Monaghan. The following Sunday, then, they're away to Tyrone. And then on the 6th of June, they have Armagh at home to finish up the group. So an all-Ulster affair there for Group 2B. And was the, was the division split up geographically the same way as it was in the men's? Um, yeah, I think I think that's the way. I wouldn't just be a hundred percent sure on that, but I'd be nearly ninety percent sure that that's the way it was. Yeah. The Group Two A has Clare, Wexford, Mead, and Kerry, so I would yeah. imagine that is the way it is. All right. And explain then, does it work the same way as as the, the lads, the men's football, in terms of you your top two in Group B will play into a semi final and then into a final for promotion. Um, I think it's the top two in Group B will play the top two in Group A with uh, then going into the finals then. So 
the obviously the top one's going to be promoted from the groups then. Okay. And then the bottom two into semi-final relegation playoffs essentially as well. I think so, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, when, when you look at the split, it's not an easy division for Cavan, Monaghan, Tyrone, who Jerry will, will know quite a bit about, obviously, having managed them in the past, and then Armagh, who, who, who made great strides in last year's championship. Yeah, yeah, it's a very, very difficult group, and I know from talking to the Gares that uh, they've recognised that, but look, you look at Monaghan, it's always a tough challenge to play your neighbours, Monaghan. And then, as you say, Armagh and Tyrone, a team that's making great strides in the last few years, mm. probably down to the work that Jerry and uh, his trainer, Barry Grimes, who's with Cavan Ladies now as well, has done. So I'm sure Jerry will be looking forward to that game a wee bit as well. And then, obviously, to finish off, probably the toughest of the three games is Armagh. But again, great to get them at home. And you'd be hopefully going in with good confidence into that final game. Yeah, with any luck at all. I suppose the return of Ashton Shorten is going to be a big, big plus. Ashton Doonan Maguire has has uh, hung up her boots, and I, I understand Don English may be out for for a little bit um, throughout this year. So it's it's going to be up to younger bodies to start to to take the reins here. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose you're, we could go without recognizing the success Ashton Sheridan has had across the waters and I know she's just not joined up with the panel just yet but um, I'm sure she's itching to get back in there and, and that'll bring a massive boost to the girls if, and won't only drive them on I suppose to try and make it difficult for her to get her spot back into the team but to know that she's coming back with all that game time under her belt is, is a great addition to the panel when she comes back um, obviously Ashley Doonan's a massive loss but as you said there's, there's good enough young girls in there now Amongst the experienced Roshan O'Keefe's back in with the panel this year, Sinead Green's back in, uh, Laura Fitzpatrick, and that's only a few to name off the top of my head. So there is a great mix of youth and experience there. And um, I suppose the younger girls like Lauren McVitie, Ashton Gilson and Neve Keenan and the likes of them girls are really going to have to step up uh, and start to fill them boots. And I've no doubt that they will do that. Well, they've, they've a wonderful underage um repertoire of medals and, and, and experiences so they, they won't fear any of these teams that they come up against considering how successful the, the aforementioned players have been at underage so but there's no guarantee that underage success leads to adult success you've got to go out and earn it and these girls are learning that bit by bit there is a jump up there yeah yeah absolutely and I think the girls have recognised that uh, over the last few years, but I think there's just been a fresh approach to this year that they're parking everything that's happened in the past. In the past, and um, I know what new management brings new opportunities for every girl to put their hand up and put their name to any position. So I know that little bit of added competition from the 44 panel players, like all 44 of them girls deserve a jersey, do you know. So um, I know there's fresh competition and I'm sure we're going to see a lot of new girls step up and uh, put their name to uh, Jersey and Calvin this year. Yeah, without a doubt. We're looking forward to, on next week's podcast, we'll, we'll hear from the new Calvin manager, Jerry Moen. So uh, stay with us here on We Are Calvin. We'll be bringing you that interview next week ahead of the opening game of the league. Well, it's actually two weeks ahead of the opening game of the league against Monaghan. But, um, Aidan, obviously moving your attention now over to the, the the stick and ball. You're part of the Cavan Senior Camogie panel once again for this year. Um, I suppose we'll start off. The, the league fixtures have been posted out. Who have Cavan got in this year's league? 
Um, so we start on the 15th with a game at home to Wicklow. Um, we've Antrim's B team then in the 22nd of May and then the 29th of May we have Tyrone, uh, both Antrim B and Tyrone's two away games for us. Okay, so not nothing that easy there. Antrim B, obviously, you wouldn't have come across last year. Tyrone, a team you're, you're quite familiar with. Um, I haven't beaten them in the Nancy Murray last year. And then Wicklow is, is a little bit of an unknown, I suppose. Yeah, Wicklow is a little bit of an unknown, if I'm not mistaken. I think we were due to play them last year in the league, but before COVID and uh, storms and everything hit, uh, so that game was postponed. Uh, Tyrone were well familiar to playing Tyrone. I think we played them maybe three or four times last year. So um, I suppose like us, they could have different panel players and everything, so we won't take them for granted. And then obviously Antrim B, you never know what to expect from a B team in terms of players mm. that they have. So um, I'm sure it's going to be three tough games and all eyes are on Wicklow on the 15th of May. And essentially that is, so we're, we're, we're less than two weeks away from that, but that's your... Uh, division three, is it? It's division it? four this year. So there division is four. Yeah. Okay. And and again, is there a, is there a B side? How how does Calvin get promoted out of this? Yeah. So there's an opposite side to the group, which has uh, Loud, Kildare's B team, Roscommon, and Mayo. So again, a few new teams in there with Kildare's B team, and then Mayo are fielding this year as well. So. Uh, it's top two then going into the semi-finals and then obviously the final for promotion then. Okay, okay. Now obviously there's been in the news lately uh, over the last couple of days the, the debate in the Camogie world about the split season. Uh, the inter-county players, I suppose, is it right to say pushing for uh, a split season? It, it, it sounds like it's the sensible thing to do, but when you actually break down to the nitty-gritty of it, it's not just that straightforward, Adrian, at all, is it? Yeah, it's really not. And I suppose it's the more we think about it as players, it's it's hard to know what's the best thing to do. You're, uh, I'd be my heart would go out to my club players who actually aren't playing any county camogie to know that, you know, if this season doesn't go as planned now and it follows the ladies that they may not actually play any games till September. But with the way the Camogie Association are proposing it is that it'd be the county leagues, then into club championships and uh, finishing then with county championships. I suppose from a county player's point of view, we wouldn't be pleased with that because you want to gain your momentum from the league and take that into your championship. But then the, the day the championship is the biggest goal, you want to be coming home with an All-Ireland title. And if the club's thrown in the middle of that, you just feel like you may have to start pre-season again all over again in September so it really is difficult I suppose you have to put your county hat on and then you have to put your club hat on and it's two compromising positions and um, so it's it's really not an easy position for the association to be in I know they're not going to please anyone with any decision to make but um, mm -hmm. I suppose we as a county team would be hoping that it would follow the same as the LGFA whereby uh, the league would be followed by the county championships and then the club scene but then, as I say, if you speak to a club player, I'm sure they're going to want to play in the summer months when pitches are available, when there's daylight and you're not fighting with the weather. So it, it really is a tough one. It's, within some counties, it may not be as big an issue or obstacle as it is in Cavan, but there are essentially going to be clubs in Cavan that could not play any 
type of camogie once the county panelists and players are taken away from the selection. So it, it really is going to put a complete halt. And I think you were saying to me off air that, that it could be a, an entire 12 months for some club camogues if it goes with a, with a split season, which does sound an awful long time. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I suppose, the, one of the biggest things the Camogie Association want to go with this idea is that girls may have not played club Camogie since last September. And if it follows the way the LGFA is going, it'll be September again before they have a county ch- championship match. So, do you know, that's 12 months without playing ball. And as I say, you're going to be playing in the winter months when the evenings are getting darker, the weather's getting horrible. Girls are back, the college girls are back, the school. Um, I suppose it's, it is difficult in Cavan. We're probably not blessed with having too many teams or, or players, some clubs. So it would be difficult to run a league campaign without your county players. Um, whereas if the football was to go that way, there's a bigger spread of clubs. There's a bigger spread throughout the county panel that would make mm. it maybe a bit more easier to do. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a difficult one. And what the 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 national board at, at Camogie level have done is they've sent it back down to the clubs. So basically, it'll be each club with a vote to make a decision, and you know every player, I suppose, at that end get to have an input in the the different options that are available. So the the reality probably is while you can understand breaking up the inter-county season may not be ideal for inter-county players. The weight of numbers is going to go against them on this one, isn't it, really? Yeah, you would imagine that's the way it's going to be because, look, there's probably a 5% county players and 95% across the Hmm. country are are club players. So I would imagine going to club players that they're going to want to play in the summer months when the sun is shining, evenings are bright. Um, when you don't have to worry about your college students being away, etc. Um, so I would imagine being realistic, it's it's possibly going to stick to the way it is unless something drastic does happen. Mm. It just makes it difficult, I suppose, Damien, for any of your dual players. I know there's eight dual players between the county football and county camogie panels this year. So for them, they could be in the middle of an All-Ireland Championship match with Cavan Ladies Football and be expected to play a club championship match that same week. So it does, it makes it difficult on them. And I suppose the biggest thing from the GPA is where is the player welfare for dual players in the decision the Camogie's making. So there is a few things to iron out and, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of debates and not everyone's going to be happy no matter what the decision made is. Is, is the, the, the prospect of, of a strike actually a realistic prospect do you think in terms of the inter-county players I'm not sure I'm not sure because it is a difficult one you know you could strike from the county players and what about the club players they're they're in the same position as well and at the end of the day you come from your club and your club without them you wouldn't be playing any camogie at all so it is a difficult one Um, for me the National League probably shouldn't have been a runner and it should have been just split club first maybe and then county championships or the other way around county championships and club just with the year that's in it um, I suppose the time is just is probably not of the essence there's very few months to run competition so um, mm. it'll be interesting to see what's going to come out of it Yeah when when is that you know poll finished when, when will the decision be made by? 
Uh, they were taking seven days to poll the clubs. Okay. So I think it was seven days from Saturday. So I'd say over the weekend, we should be should be hearing something on what came from that. Okay, very good. Tell us then on, on the positive side of things, um, you have been allowed back out training as, as elite um, inter-county players. How has that been? Yeah, it's been great. It's great to finally get out and train with other people. You'd be sick of running up and down the fields on your own and doing home gym sessions etc so it's nothing like actually being out and socializing with a group of girls and no training's been going well and um, I think that buzz of just being back out has really taken its toll the last few few weeks there's a panel I think of around 35 maybe 38 so there's good numbers in there's some new faces into the panel this year as well which is great and we're starting to build on what was probably a disappointing end to last year <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love I love the fact that in your first year back you win two trophies, was it? And and it's disappointing getting to all Ireland finals and that. But I suppose that's that's the ambition, the ambition that is within the, the group of players, which is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I suppose that the goal is always to win the big prize. And I suppose at the start of last year, as we, we've said, if you had a said we'd get to a junior all Ireland final you might have been thinking, oh, it's just a dream. But the fact that it became a reality and when you were so close uh, to getting there, I suppose that hunger is just there to drive on and improve and uh, become a stronger panel this year to, to try and at least get, back, first of all, back into the final and secondly, um, over the line. Yeah, looking looking ahead then, as I say, we, we, we'll catch up with uh, the management, Jimmy Greville, as, as the entire management team stayed the same for the Camogues. Um, there's been a few changes. So Paddy Maloney, the goalkeeping coach, um, isn't there this year. And Marie Brady from Lack and Camogie uh, is in as a selector coach this year, which is great. Marie brings with her a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience. She knows a lot of our gear, a lot of the girls inside, inside out. She probably knows it better than we know ourselves, a lot of people. So it's great to have Marie added to the panel this year. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, look, at we, we'll hear from the Camogues ahead of that opening round game against Wicklow on the 15th. We'll, we'll hopefully check, catch up with uh, Jimmy next week. Well, Aileen, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us here. And we are Calvin and we'll keep in contact over the next few weeks. Games coming tick and fast, thank God. Yeah, it's great to finally have something to look forward to again. Thanks, well, Damien. Brady's Arva Limited. Main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. You can hear the delight, obviously, that, that things are getting back to normal. Maybe even in my voice there that, that, that I'm interviewing and, and talking about games coming up. And the, the ladies footballers have a, a tough enough run in there, Paul. Um, Tyrone, Monaghan, Armagh in, in, in the kind of mini league in Division 2. It's, it's not an easy run in for the ladies. No, it's definitely not. Although Cavan have a good record against Tyrone and against Armagh, um, they've played Armagh a lot. And like I was at a league game a few years ago where they drew with Armagh, they're in a bomb boy. Like they can compete with Armagh 
and they showed mm. in the Ulster final um, a couple of years ago, 2019, I think it was, that they can compete with Monaghan. Um, but it, it's tricky. And like, I, I hope the ladies will take um, confidence from what the men did. It's like, every, it's like everything else. If someone can go and do it first, because the ladies and the men had, had such a similar profile, I always thought. Like loads of talent and lots of really good players. Underage success was there and, and you knew that the setup was there, the effort was going in, but they were, had just sort of plateaued and were struggling. They were yo-yoing a wee bit and they just couldn't get into Division 1. Even they were coming so close to it and I couldn't get into it. So you'd hope that, that the ladies now would follow on from the men because they were probably in, arguably in a stronger position um, than yeah. the men were like in terms of you know how close they were to that breakthrough so it's it's a tough run in for them in, in the, these few league games but I mean it's a big opportunity as well and it is a more difficult task in the ladies to get up to Division 1 being that there's only one team promoted one team relegated um, and, and for them to always I suppose that also gives you the security that it's it's easier to stay in the division as well. So it's it, it made it that staying in division two was was something they were always able to achieve quite comfortably. But getting that that promotion and they came so close on, on occasion. So fingers crossed that they get over the line. In in the Camogie world, what's your view on this? The the, the fact that the Camogie board um came out, they had their their season lined up being um intercounty league go to club championship and then back to inter-county championship. Um, but now there's there's a big kickback by the, the Camogie players. Talk of strike eating. Kyle wasn't that pushed on, on the idea of striking. It's it's a very difficult one because if they push it back, as Aideen was saying, and go with all in, um, so uh, run run the inter-county right through and then go to the club, most Camogues in, in, at club level will have gone a year without playing competitive Camogie, which is a bit unfair. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. You know, I think the the Camogie Association tends to be a bit of a punch bag for people. Now, yeah, <clears throat> I, I haven't followed this story very closely, but I've read bits and pieces on it. But it, it kind of all feeds into this impression that the Camogie Association are lagging behind the LGFA. I think they don't have the same sponsorship for a start. They're not bringing in the same money, and that maybe leaves them not as well resourced at the top level. And like. When they issued their statement, you know, I didn't think it was very well presented. And that's basic enough. Like even handball would be regarded by some people as a poor relation to GA. But when handball releases any literature or anything in, in public, it's always very well presented. It looks professional. That's something handball does very well, actually. And I thought that that didn't I know this is that's a very incidental thing, but it just didn't create the best impression of um professionalism there from, from the Camogie Association. Now I have no doubt that there were they were doing was was uh, in the best interest of the players as, as they thought and the thing of threatening strike action Jesus I think it's a little bit over the top like you know you don't go in and and, and start talking about hitting the nuclear button at this point in any um, negotiation you got to just go in and make your case and I mean they're all on, on the same page you'd imagine they're all maybe there's some internal politics at play but I'd imagine um, that they're all out for the good of the game and there's, it's like it's very much volunteer based. They wouldn't have a, a full, a large full time staff like the like the men's game would have. And you see the GPA, of course, weighing in on it as usual. And look, the GPA is does a lot of very worthy things. But at the end of the day, like sometimes they're overly militant, and there, there's not 
they're not the most transparent organization in the world themselves either. And no. I, I, I thought when you see the GPA steaming in on it, like what has the GPA really ever done for Camogie? I don't know. Well, I suppose this is the done. first it's the first year that that the ladies and, and Camogie are, are under the the, the the umbrella of the GPA. So it, um, I, I, I kind of thought that played into it, that they're they're now kind of going, oh, now the user will we'll show you what we can do. You know, it's almost like we flex our muscles just to show that it was a good move to join us. And I, I, I don't think it was it was the right time to do it. Like the idea of threatening anybody in sport, threatening strike action in the environment that we're currently in, the difficult situation in terms of planning anything, I just think is absolutely crazy. I, I, I don't think the strike action, I can understand in an ordinary year when we get back to normal that the, the, the Camogues would prefer split season like we've got in, in, in the in the football and the hurling and that. And I think it is a far better system. But the alternative being at the moment that you're, you're, you're going to collide, you're going to leave club players out with nothing. And like in Cavan, for example, you won't get the opportunity to play games if the county are going because the county is probably maybe 25, 30% of the playing population, the county panel. In, in Cavan so you know it, it, it's quite a significant number I think that they, they, they need to pull that strike action off the table but I think in fairness to the Camogie Association they've done the right thing by going back and saying okay we're going to poll our members everybody back to the clubs and all because at the end of the day each county player is a club player as well and they have to respect the players that they go back and play with with their club jerseys so it'll be so interesting to see how that There's a good piece by Kevin O'Carney in the Celt this week where he he spoke to Michelle Smith, the Camogie chairperson, and the piece is all about how there needs to be closer links between Horan and Camogie. And how, <clears throat> so basically, you know, if you're sending the Horan coaches in, like you got to get them coaching Camogie as well. And that's how it's done in the stronger countries. And like, there's a correlation between the strong Horan countries and the strong Camogie countries, obviously, because yeah. they're all taking it up, boys and girls, at a young age. And it's such a skill game that you do need to get it at a young age. But there was talk a while back, a few years ago, that Camogie might be rebranded as as uh, ladies hurling or women's hurling, um, to to make it sort of put it on an even keel along with ladies football, which I thought was clever because if hurling and football are on, a, are on an even keel, surely like Camogie is women's hurling effect, effectively. Mm. Uh, there's some modifications, but there's probably more modifications in ladies football, like lifting the ball off the ground and, and kickers from the hand and stuff like that, than there is in in men. The in buzzer. Men. Yeah, so and the buzzer as well. So it's probably closer to Horland than ladies football is to football, but yeah, it's yeah, it's viewed out there as, as a, a separate code out there on its own, which isn't doing it any favors either. But like, there's a, I often think about this: why Camogie has definitely lost ground on on ladies football, and it's not it's not a thing. The rise of ladies football has been amazing. It's one of the great success stories of Irish sport. Uh, even apart from Gaelic games, but all sports in general, and even internationally, the rise of the LGFA is, is absolutely mm. marvellous and the progress they've made. But the, what's not mentioned in that is that Camogie has suffered alongside that. There's no doubt about it that, that more girls that might have gone into Camogie, girls who are, who are at a young age who want to get into sport, um, are going into ladies football. Why is Camogie not as popular tradition now as ladies football is? It's a tougher game to play. And that's probably a lot of the reason why Horland is is not as popular as football. It's it, it's a very difficult sport. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm the first one to laugh at the Horland crowd, absolutely patting themselves on the back all the time and making it out to be a Warriors game and all that crack. But 
it is a very difficult game to play. And there's a reason why Camogie has, has probably slipped behind that. There's actually, a, Sean Moran had a very good piece in Irish Times where he, he, he um, had quotes from, I should have checked this earlier, but basically it's, it's a, you'd love this, Damien. It's a coach from an NFL team. I'm not sure what team he's with, but uh, I should notice now that I'm an NFL expert after our, our Super Bowl podcast. <laughs> but he's, he's, we'll he's, come back to the draft, but anyway. <laughs> All right. Took over the weekend. Ah, no way. I missed that. Oh, uh, gosh. I should have told you. Sorry. Yeah, I missed all that now. Jeez, I wonder how did my, uh, my Seahawks get on in that? Yeah, do you know what? I don't, I don't recall who they got. So it, it doesn't sound like it's that exciting of a draft for the Seahawks, but the Patriots seem to be the big winners. Someone got on to me after that with a brilliant message explaining why I should have went for the, the Cardinals over the Seahawks. So there's, I'm thinking about changing to the Cardinals. Your head's turned. Oh, no, Jesus. A little bit, a little bit. But anyway, um, <laughs> Go on. This, this coach is going to address a load of uh, GA coaches in Ireland. So I don't know exactly um, who he's speaking to, but it's some sort of a, of a GA initiative where they're getting this guy on to talk about... It, oh, no, I think it must be they're, they're going to talk to the SNC man in every county or something. It's a remote thing. And it's going to be about returning to play and avoiding injuries and stuff like that. Now, your man doesn't know much about Celtic games. But you watch, in, the, in the interview with Sean Moore, he mentioned how he, he, he watched a bit of it uh, on YouTube or whatever to get an idea of it. And how it's like, it's very much endurance-based compared to what he's used to coaching over there. But mm. he was absolutely wowed by, by Horland in particular because he was saying like, you know, you need so much strength and endurance, but you also need that explosiveness that you have in NFL because you're doing it all with, with a stick and a ball <laughs> and it's very hard to hit it. So, you know, there is a lot of truth in, in what these Horden snobs say about their game. Uh, and it feeds into Camogie as well. It's a very difficult game and probably that's why it's playing second fiddle. But I'd hate to see Camogie <laughs> falling away because it's, it is, it's a, it's a great game and there's a very good tradition of Camogie and Cavan in particular. Like mm. There was a brilliant book brought out a brilliantly comprehensive book brought out by Father Ollie O'Reilly a few years ago. I have it here, and it's about it's like a phone book. This thing is like a thousand pages of photos and articles for Camogie and Cavan. It's unbelievably in depth, and like you wouldn't believe that the tradition is there going right back over a hundred years. Phenomenal, yeah. Like, in fairness, I think I, I do think that the, the Camogie board here in Cavan are doing great work, and it's it's back on, on an upward trajectory over the last two three years. But um, it still is probably lagging, lagging behind the, the footballers in terms of, of how it's perceived, any of how it's promoted. And oh, the, so, the Camogie board in Cavan is great. And I think Michelle Smith's an excellent mm-hmm. person. Like she's really energetic, and you know, probably like a, like no different to handball as well. You you probably never have as many volunteers as you'd like to have uh, to achieve the goals that you have. But uh, I think Camogie, yeah, Camogie, I think Camogie and Cavan is one of the, definitely one of the success stories. Like they got the county team restarted, and like. You know, <clears throat> I would have been a, an opponent of getting the county Horland team restarted back then for the simple reason that it, it was like the, what the Galway Horland manager at the time, Connor Lane, said that Horland was like an old country house, a ruin that you see. And like Castle Sanderson, for example, before it was done up, or it looked unbelievable when you look at it from a distance. It looked like a big, imposing castle, but it's only a facade. And at the back of it all, it's rotted and, and it's only in ruins. And like he was saying that, you know, the facade was what you see on, on TV, like Galway against Limerick or something, and amazing stuff. But then at the back of it all, it's, it's in ruins. And I, I, I remember writing at the time with the Cavan Horden team that, you know, how can we come back with a, with a senior or like a, an adult inter county Horden team when, 
you know, we still have very limited juvenile activity in, in various pockets of the county and that and the cost of it and everything else. And I was saying that money should have been put into to coaching and so on. But to be fair, I, I'd have to say I was I was wrong about that because it has given lads something to aim for. Um and it has kept a real dedicated group of 25, 30 hoarders there. Um that mm. are playing at a higher level than club hoarding. And like they're gonna give the Lorry Mar hopefully a good rattle. So I think I was wrong about that. And and you can see it again with the camogie as well. It it gives a pathway. If if you're a sports person and you're ambitious, you want to play at the higher level, you can do that now with Cavan Horland. And okay, it's not the mm-hmm. it's not the highest level of Horland they're playing at, but they they do have a gateway there and a roadmap that they can get up and play at the next level. And look at the Camogie in the first year back, like never had played together as a team before, essentially, and mm-hmm. and suddenly they're going and making winning trophies and making all Ireland finals. So from that point of view, things are going very well for Cavan Camogie. Yeah, have to agree. Have to agree. We're looking forward. We'll be, we'll be um, chatting with Jimmy Greville in the coming weeks, as well as obviously Jerry Mohan, the the ladies' footballer manager, and Ali Bellew as their campaigns start. And we'll be having some of those interviews over on Patreon.com forward slash We Are Cavan. So, Paul, you were at the draw for the uh, the the Volkswagen Golf, the County Board um, fundraising initiative. And you caught up with the treasurer of Cavan County Board, Mark McCall, but first the secretary of the county board, Liam McCabe. Okay, I'm joined now by the secretary of Cavan County Board, Liam McCabe, after a great evening where the, the draw ran off without a hitch for <coughs> to win a car sponsored by Brady's of Arbor. And Liam, I know you're to the forefront of pushing this draw, so you must be very happy with how things went in the end up. Yes, Paul, very happy indeed, yes. Um, draw was a great success. And it was only a success because of the work of a good few people. And uh, I suppose Paddy Shannon came to me first with the idea and Paddy Shannon also talked to Brady's about the sponsorship. So it's a big debt of gratitude to Paddy there for, for getting that done. Um, I'd like to thank John Highland Club Spot for all his work. Without him, we couldn't have done it. I'd like to also thank two people that are sort of in the background, Karen McDermott and Ella Murphy from Calvin Institute. They would have done all the online postings, etc., etc., and uh, so I'm delighted with them and delighted for them how well it went. So the Calvin senior team put in a big effort as well, and listen, uh, all the committee members, and thankfully the general public out there really got behind the draw, and I want to thank them all very much. I suppose in these times that are in it, normally with county boards draws, you're relying on people to go out, you've printed tickets, and you're relying on people to go out to their contacts, people that they're meeting, sell tickets. That obviously wasn't possible uh, this time, but the county board innov- showed innovation and went about it a different way, and were able to sell, sell a lot of tickets. Well, we sold a lot of tickets online, Paul, and uh, as you rightly said, like we, we could have, in normal circumstances, we could have brought the car to different towns on Saturdays and Sundays, and you know, we probably could have made another 10, 20,000 if times were normal. But times are not normal. But then, I suppose, Paul, the other thing is that there are a lot of people sitting at home and they have money now that they may not have had. Not everybody has money, but a lot of people yeah. have money. And, you know, the online was a huge success. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. But uh, overall, very good. Uh, you mentioned Brady's of Arva, of course, long tradition supporting Cavan County Board and, and supporting the local club in Arva as well. So how important was it to have company like that coming on board to assist oh sure it was great it was, we did as you said had a long relationship with Brady's and uh, thankfully we have that revived now again and uh, 
Park was very, very good a sponsor, and he was delighted with with the draw himself. And in fairness to him, he sold a good few tickets for the draw. So uh, I was speaking to him there just after the draw, and he's, he's very happy with the process, and we're very happy with it too. So yeah, it's good for both of us. And in terms of where this money's going to go, well, first of all, like, I suppose it's early to say, but if you're a rough ballpark figure of how much the county board might have profited from it, and then for people reading or listening to this, um, what will the county board use these funds for now? Well, I'd say you want to direct that question to Martin Cahill because he's, <laughs> he's the treasurer and he's the man deals with the money, so I'm not going to say it's going to go X, Y, and Z, but listen, it's, um, it's a good bit of money to help. Basically, the draw was to support all our county teams, so... Presumably, it's going to go towards that, and uh, hopefully, we'll have a long summer ahead of us with, with all our teams, and then we need that money to keep them going. Yeah, and on a personal level, Liam, after soldiering away with Calvin as a secretary for a good few years, like it must, you're still buzzing like everyone else off the back of winning the Ulster Championship, I'd say, at long last. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it, Paul. Every day is just, you know, we're still Ulster champions, and uh, I have a lot of friends that you know, a lot of banter with, and it's just great to be able to say. Well, boys, we're also champions, you know, <laughs> for the 40th time. I like to say that to some of them. But, uh, oh, no, it was wonderful. It was just wonderful. It's just sad that we couldn't get really celebrating it properly and that uh, there's no fans there to see it. But look, at, as you know, on the night, the fans from Calvin turned out and there were thousands down in Kingsman Breffney. And, you know, look, at that was good. It was different, but it was good. So, uh, and I had no sore head on Monday. <laughs> and the last thing, Calvin, Calvin her, um, I'm looking at the picture of the 97 team behind, and I suppose back then, uh, Calvin had a good team, won those championship, but didn't add another one. But we hear that the Calvin team are training, they're in good shape now after training on their own during the lockdown. So would you be hopeful now that the team might kick on in, in 2021? Oh, I would, Paul, yeah. Now, I mean, look, at it, it's a tough ask. Uh, the draw now didn't do them any favours. But you know, look, we're at we're at a level now. If we're going to be at that level, we need to be beating Tyrone, and uh, you know, possibly live Donegal, and then if we win that, we have Armagh and Monaghan. <laughs> Nothing handy, no. you know. I mean, if we win this year's Ulster Championship, we can surely say we have arrived. But uh, yeah, I'd be very hopeful. The boys are putting in a serious effort, and uh, you know, they're mad keen, and of course, the success has helped. And you know, have fellas wanting to get into the panel, which maybe years ago you had fellas wanting to leave. So. Mm. It's a bit of a headache for Mickey and his team to start picking the 27, 28, 14 players. But it's a good, it's a good problem. OK, so I'm joined now by the Treasurer of Calvin County Board, Martin Cal, who's a happy man this evening because the County Board have done very well on a, a fundraising draw here. Martin, uh, were you happy with how everything went? Extremely happy, yes. Um, it was uh, an overwhelming success, uh, driven by our County Secretary, Liam McCabe, put a massive effort in. And with the assistance of John Hyland from Club Spot, who facilitated the whole process, um, and with, with a lot of other volunteers. But those two men drove the process, and it was a very, very big success for us. I suppose Calvin County Board have experience in this type of a draw on a big scale with the house draw that went on last year. But as I was saying to Liam earlier on, this time you couldn't get out and meet people and hand out printed tickets, so you had to innovate. We had to innovate, yes, and that's why the online element and the club spot element was, was critical. Um, and I, I suppose about 80% of the ticket sales were from online. There was still a number of, of hard copies sold, but there was no way it could go out. There was no way. We had no league matches. We had no uh, events that we could meet people at or that we could rem- promote the event through. So the online system was was critical and worked a dream for us. And I suppose people have been wondering, I know 
It's early days, yeah. But ballpark figure, how much do you think the county board will, will stand to make from it? Uh, the proceeds will be a hundred thousand plus. That's that's a phenomenal result. phenomenal result. Uh, we talked about this, and Liam brought this to management back last November, I would say. And at the time, COVID numbers at the press society, as it were, it was before the it was before the championship win, um, and we all thought, not now, yes, but not now. And it was launched in January and ran from there and, and, and was a huge success and, and a lot of positivity. And I suppose it was a way of people in the, in, in the county and in the country acknowledging what the, the joy the, the, the team brought to everyone last back end. We really never got to experience that. Or the general public didn't get to experience that. And this was a way of paying back. Had we league games here, had we events to come to, the proceeds could have been more. But I'm very, very happy and very satisfied to see them with, with the results of the draw. And obviously, um, there's big capital projects happening around the stadium here in in the months and years to come. But what, what do you think will this money directly go towards now? I suppose we have projects ongoing, the Polar Grounds project that we're kind of at a, a semi-crossroads with in, in terms of to go on. We have a lot of money raised for that. As you alluded to earlier from the house draw, there's 650000 which is parked, as it were, in an account that is not going to go to any ongoing funding. Um, we will continue our, our underage development, we'll continue our strength and conditioning programme, which has proven beneficial and um, is worthwhile, and, and we'll continue with that. We'll continue with the promotion of hurling, we'll continue with the development work we're doing in, inside in the stadium here, infrastructures, small little projects, but they all cost a, a, a bit of money. So there are a lot of projects for it. But um, definitely, it's a great help to us. And the last time I spoke to you, I suppose um, there was the possibility at the time that that the national leagues might be put back. As it turned out, it was put back for for whatever reason. But how are county boards coping now? With our, we're kind of coming to the end of this, hopefully with vaccinations and so on. Is it as bleak as as we feared? It's it's probably bleak in so much in in one way in that the funding that we would get from Co Park is severely reduced. <coughs> Excuse me. Typically, we would receive one hundred eighty thousand as a county board. Every county board would receive one hundred eighty thousand. We're expected to receive probably possibly sixty thousand. Uh, National League would normally generate you one hundred thousand. This year, it'll probably generate thirty. Now there is a package that Crow Park are underwriting in that they're they're giving us money for for hosting games and money some money towards running the teams, but the National League would still cost us a substantial amount of money. But mm. we'd all be happy. I suppose if we spend the money and we get promotion to Division 2 and that's, yeah. that has to be the dream and has to be the, the ambition for this year. And that probably feeds into the question I was going to ask you because you've been treasurer for a long time and like a lot of supporters and volunteers putting in the time, does it make it, make it easier to go and put in all these hours when you see the team going and winning the Ulster Championship last year? Well, unfortunately, they didn't get to see them winning the Ulster <laughs> Championship last year. But apart from that, it does, yeah. It makes it all worthwhile. Um, there the days you, you live and no more than an awful lot of other people in the county we didn't get to experience that. It's been a, a surreal experience, I suppose, a way to make sure that we experience this to beat Tyrone and go on and retain our roster championship. But it does. Days like today make it easier when, when you know, you see the goodwill and you see, the, you know, the, the, the proceeds going well. Um, and, you know, when you get out and meet people, it's it's good. When you're sitting at home wondering and panicking and, you know, uh, going to spend... We, we would spend probably a quarter of a million on getting the two hurling and football teams through the National League. And to have that coming against you, as it were, unsure of whether we're going to get Crow Park help, unsure of whether we have our own finances, uh, you know, they're worrying times. But 
days like this make it a, a bit more worthwhile and definitely easier to get up tomorrow and think about it again. I suppose, Paul, firstly, a, a great success, the, the fundraising, um, the car draw for, for Cavan County Board in, in a time when funds were, were, were very much needed. But great to see Liam McCabe taking, very much taking the, the driving seat in this, which is, which is maybe a step towards the, the direction of, of, of the, the CEO role that, that most counties are adopting in terms of, of that. So it's good to see Liam, Liam taking that and, and having such success with it. Yeah, well, um, Martin Cahill, as you heard, signaling them out for, for a lot of praise. Uh, Kieran Callaghan on the live stream singled them out for a lot of praise as well. So he did, he did, you know, he did sterling work on it. I know he was on to me, and I say he was on to you on about the WhatsApp broadcast list and try and get the try and get the set. So basically, there's a function on WhatsApp where you can set up a broadcast list, which is kind of like a group, but it's not a group in that not everyone. Um, is in it together and can respond and everything you just basically add all these people in your contacts book and you can send out one message to them all and that's how how they managed to sell so many tickets really <coughs> excuse me they set up these broadcast lists the county senior players were doing it and people were doing it at different times it was sort of scheduled and the idea was that you might do it at seven o'clock in the evening or eight o'clock in the evening when people are sitting at home and they have a, a phone in their hand maybe and they go yeah look I'll, i'm online now it's a call to action i'll go and do it and they there was a phenomenal response to it. So uh, Liam McCabe obviously had a big role to play in that because he, you know, his fellow officers were signaling it out. Like Liam is the secretary of the county board, um, but also the administrator. So like they're mm. they're in Cavan, it's basically a combined role. Um, so if you imagine like back in the day, the secretary was was elected, um, and then it became a full time role and it became the administrator role. So a lot of counties now are, are moving towards a CEO type role. Which, which you're talking about there, which, yeah. you know, it's possibly something that's going to be needed. Now, you're more into business than me, but when you have a turnover heading for a couple of million in a good year, I know it's 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 dropped, I think, from like 2.1 million to 1.2 million last year with COVID, um, a 900 grand drop. But it's like, a, you know, when you have a 2 million turnover, you you know, it's hard to ask volunteers to, to manage that so well. Um, and Kevin are lucky to have the volunteers that they do and, and, and Liam in his full-time administrator's role as well. But there probably does need to be a CEO over over, uh, over a county board. And imagine in business, like, like is that a significant turnover in terms of a, of a medium or small oh. business? Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's, that, it's the sort of one that, that you're, well, in business terms, you're moving from local enterprise to, to IDA status, you know, and, and that's, that's a big, big jump. So you're talking about when, when you have, significant number of employees and and turnover that there's a lot of managing involved in that and and like i think look at crow park i think in fairness have have made it like a, liam mccabe's role is he's he's the head of all of the employees within cavan ga he oversees everybody as administrator to, he, he's not the the title and the role is not ceo and it's not in any county but for example, in Mead and in Dublin a long time ago with, with Costello and, and, and then Seamus Kenny in Mead and, and a lot of other counties. I think 20 counties now have adopted the CEO role out of the 32. So Cavan are probably lagging a little bit behind in terms of just giving that title, giving the name, and therefore you're, you're over every part of a member sitting now with Seamus Kenny having a conversation about it. And basically he's over the fundraising 
now says it's, it's it's a committee that that I I steer, but we come together, we come with up with ideas, and 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 I very much am involved in and chair the fundraising committee. I'm over the coaching and games, making sure that everything is run right. So the GDM is accountable to me and comes in with reports, and then we we devise a plan. So it's it's all of this, and he says then above me is the county board who guide me that well this is where we need to be going towards and, and I'm, I'm relaying that message down so it's a it's very much like a, a business structure that that most county boards are going towards and i think Kevin, mm. i think we're moving towards that in fairness and it's great to see liam getting getting involved in that end of it because i think it's a very very important step to move towards but well, I, also I, wouldn't, great to, I, I wouldn't like to be seen as a propagandist for the board because in, in my job no more, no more than yourself. Like you, you, you got to be neutral on it as well, and you, you, there's going to you're going to be critical at the times when it's needed. But I think Cavan County Board have done very well. There's a lot of good, good people involved there, right across the board. Two people we heard from there, like Martin Cahill does a tremendous job as treasurer. Like that's a, he's got an assistant treasurer there, John Keating, used to be Tom Moore, and um, like that's a really difficult pressurized job. And like, and he was feeling the pressure. He was saying like, you're sitting at home wondering. Where are we going to get the money to fund to field a team, and where are we going to get this and that? And you know, he was saying so that's why I asked both of them. Like, uh, you know, after a lot of years at county board level, you know, you must have an extra spring in your step now to cap and the champions. I wanted to ask both of them that question because uh, it's yeah. important. Like, obviously, Martin didn't get to the Ulster final, so it's unfortunate for him because the man who would have put so much into it, Liam, was there in his role as secretary, and he would have been seeing a lot of bad days for Cavan. So it was nice for him as well, but. And Kieran Callan, I think, is doing an extraordinary job. Like, you know, obviously leading businessman, but he's bringing that to the county board. And it's not a PR uh, exercise here for the county board. This is honest opinion. I think um, Liam or Kieran is doing yeah. an extraordinarily good job. Like some of the plans they have, and we we'll talk about them on a later podcast. I don't, people probably don't realise the the depth and the scope of the plans that are there for for Kingspan Breffney at the minute. Like it's going to be almost like a, like a town centre hub. It's going to be a tourism hub. There's going to be a museum. There's going to be um, a little cafe, a restaurant, coffee shop type thing there. There's going to be maybe a park, walking tracks and, and cycling paths through it. There's possibility maybe of linking up with a greenway. Um, it's going to be somewhere where busloads of people are going to come for tours of the stadium and to see the museum, to go in the coffee shop. Families are going to come in at weekends. People don't know anything about football. It's not just a pitch. Uh, and, and what surrounds the pitch anymore? The the pitch is almost incidental now. It's like Crow Park, where where it, you know it's it's almost like a campus in itself, and the yeah. pitch just happens to be on the campus. And that's even though it's still the centerpiece, and everything comes from that. But I, I there's huge plans there, like, and that's just I think that's going to be a real testament um, to the current administration that's there at the minute. And in fairness to them, what a lot of the ideas are about generating income generating revenue and therefore that will feed into further development and the improvement of the facilities and the improvement of maybe the personnel that are involved with with, with county board like i think they're they're working very hard look at it i i'd be i'd be echoing what you're saying i think we're moving very much in the right direction and um, you know even even with andre quinn there very, very important to keep him involved because he's, he's he's doing great work and, and you can see the improvements in the, the Cavan team, which was mentioned by, by Liam there as well as a result. Of, another thing, great to see Paddy Shannon back involved there um, helping out with, with that fundraiser. Paddy a character and and, and um, 
hadn't really seen him around much um since the since over, over last year or so yeah. with COVID and that. But great to see him. He's, he's another man. He's always an asset. Put so much into a county board over the yeah. years. Club Breffney and all that. Which Club Breffney, if people like that that put in that that sort of effort, Club Breffney, you're ringing up people asking for money. It's not that it's not an easy job. You've Mickey the Parent Riley there as well, my own club man from Hills, and he looks after the advertising in Breffney, and that's a tough job too. Um, mm. And you're you're ringing people up saying, and maybe the team mightn't have gone well at times in the past. Maybe we had recessions and so on. Businesses might have been struggling. He was ringing people up and cajoling them, and you know selling selling Cavan football and Cavan GA to them so that they'll put the money where the mouth is. So like these are all the, the little parts of it, and there that all plays into it. But uh, we can't before we finish up, Damien, let let the podcast go past without acknowledging the role of Brady's of Arva, of course, in this in this fundraiser because. Yeah. Like what they what they give to the GA and Cavan is is absolutely massive. Sponsors of their own club. Um, if it wasn't for for Brady's of Arva and McAvoy's uh, Super Value, another great GA supporting family in Virginia, like we wouldn't even be talking here at the minute. So yeah. um, it's amazing what what they do for it. And again, just to encourage people, if you listen into the podcast, to make sure and support them, um, because it's because of them that we're doing these podcasts. Yeah, without a doubt. The uh, like uh, listening to Martin Cahill talking there about the, you know, I suppose to bring the over the hundred thousand. I thought that was just phenomenal considering considering everything what they raised. Um, you know, but there's holes for it straight away. Two hundred and fifty thousand will go into preparing teams for for the the leagues coming up. So there's there's a lot of a lot of money needed to keep this ship afloat, and and it's important that that these sort of fundraisers are supported. Um, just before we finish up, and want to congratulate everybody involved in that trial. A, a huge success, and, and and well done, and great to see the county players getting involved in that, in in trying to promote it as well. Which I think is a positive move, rather than them feeling that people have to go out and and do work to earn the money, to, so so they can have all of the privilege they have. They they got involved themselves. I must have been bombarded with from seven or eight or maybe ten or twelve players. With the with the text messages about the reminder on the on the draw, so it was great to see that going on. Um, just some good news from from a cabin on the twenties and under seventeens point of view in terms of um, being able to get back training next week. So the the GA announced yesterday that training for both twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one minors and under twenty squads can begin from next Monday, May tenth, on a full contact basis. And um, games in these. Uh, cohorts will be permitted from June 7th um, in the coming days the CCCC will publish a schedule for both competitions of 2020 and the dates for the 2021 inter-county competitions at minor and under 20 so uh, hopefully we get that in the next day or two that we can we can start to make plans whether it's going to be the end of the year or it's going to be in the summer when the competition but at least the lads um, have a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, Paul, so we can we can breathe a little sigh of relief. Yeah, no, I'm delighted for for all the under twenties and, and minors out there, and, and yourself as well that's involved with it. I think it's it's great. We were pleading on the podcast. It's like the Skibbereen Eagle, uh, the newspaper in Cork back in the must have been back, <laughs> back in the nineteen twenties or something, where they famously uh, sent out a message to Stalin and said that well, the Skibbereen Eagle is watching you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a bit like us in the podcast appealing to the GEA to do something with the under 20s but there was plenty of noise made and it um, 
maybe that that bit of pressure that was exerted around the country helped. But it's great to see those lads getting back training. That's what they all want to do is play a game. So uh, thank God we're getting back to some sort of normality there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, folks, thanks a million for listening to the McAvoy Super Value GA podcast. If you want to hear the top five of our club grounds around Cavan, head on over to patreon.com forward slash we are Cavan, where we rated the top 25 grounds in the county. Rightly or wrongly, we've we, we done our best on it. So uh, let us know your opinions on those if you do listen in. And we'll chat to you next week where we're just going to be a few days out from the start of the league competitions at inter-county level. So looking forward to that.